You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning or good afternoon to all, and welcome, welcome to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host for the next 30 minutes, Dr. Jeff Werber, and we are here for you. We're here for your pets, and we don't have to have any specific topic. We can talk about anything, or I just want to hear from you and hear about the relationship you have with your pets. I have 10 amazing, I have five dogs, five cats, keep me very busy, and fortunately, a large bed. I often joke that if they made a bed bigger than a California king, I can actually get more. But right now, it's pretty full house. So I want to, first of all, we're here. Thanks to our sponsors. For, first of all, Pet Life Radio, who we love. And then also ProSense Pet Products, real veterinary quality products that you can find at your mass retailers like Walmart, like Target, like Kroger. So uh, at great prices. So you can treat your pet well for not a whole lot of money. And of course, Kong Toys. As a matter of fact, that anyone who calls in, who writes us, who joins in on the conversation here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. Just click on that Ask the Vets tab. We will send you out a free ProSense product and a free Kong product. So you can't lose. You get information for free. Hopefully, it will save you money on your pets and your pet's care. And you'll get a free ProSense and a free Kong toy. Not a bad deal. And it's very easy to get a hold of us. You can either call us, pick up the phone, toll free, 877-385-8882. Once again, that number, write it down, 877-385-8882. Or if you're online listening to us live, by the way, we're the only live call-in show here on Pet Life Radio. You can click on the Ask the Vets tab, and you'll see the big blue box come up. You'll see me, and you'll see a great picture of me. And that's the real Lassie. That's actually Lassie number nine in that picture. And then you'll see join in the conversation. Just join in. Start typing away. We're monitoring that. And as a last resort, you can send us a quick email to Dr. Jeff. That's drjeff at petliferadio.com. And Mark, our great producer, will forward that to me live on the air, and we can answer your questions. So really, no excuse. You can get a hold of me easy anyway. So because I seem to have some followers that are very embarrassed and very shy to join in the conversation, to give us a call... I have no idea why. I always have kind of a planned topic. And what I've been trying to do is go through a lot of the different organ systems, a lot of the endocrine diseases. And first of all, we started with a lot of the symptoms like limping, like vomiting. Now we're sort of honing down a little bit to specific parts of the body, specific areas. And we've been dealing with the endocrine system. And we've talked about Cushing's disease, and we've talked about Addison's disease. We've talked about the different diabetes, diabetes mellitus, the sugar diabetes, diabetes insipidus, the water-drinking diabetes. So what I'm trying to do is equip you with knowledge. Knowledge is king. It's so difficult to walk into that veterinarian's office with a complaint, and they say, okay, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And you're at their mercy because you don't understand any of this stuff. And I want you to be able to say, whoa, time out, doc. Let's, let's slow down here. What are you thinking? What are you thinking the problem is based on the history, based on the physical? And if you ever get an answer like, well, I have no idea. That's why we're doing all these tests. Nix that doctor. Wrong. Because good history, good physical, the doctor should have an 80% accuracy thoughts of what is going on. And then you order up the appropriate tests to rule in or rule out the 80% likely diagnosis. If all that comes back negative, then 
you could start doing more tests because then you have a more of a difficult, challenging case. But a good diagnostician, a good doctor, all he or she needs is a really good history. So make sure when you go in, you give them a really good history. Accurate. Don't leave out any detail because you think it's stupid. There's no detail that's too stupid. Then a really good physical. And then you piece everything together. You piece your findings. You piece the history. And then you come up with your game plan because based on that, he or she should have a pretty darn good idea of what the problem is. Now he's just got to prove it because you can't treat something based on that hunch. But now you choose the appropriate tests, whether you beat a blood test. What do you, what do you include in the blood test? X-rays, ultrasound, even in some cases an MRI if, it, if it's something neurologic or a CT scan. But there really should be a game plan based on information attained from that history and physical. So we've been talking about the eye problems. That's the organ system we've been covering. And we started talking about a condition, the lay term is called cherry eye. The reason they call it is because it is a prolapsed gland of the third eyelid. Now, the third eyelid is, if you ever watch a dog or a cat blink, there is a membrane that starts on the inside corners and it comes up over the eye. And that is a really good protective mechanism for dogs and cats that might be hunters, might be going through brush. They get a lot of things in their eye. So a blink, it's the eyelids closing. It's that third eyelid coming across the eye. Well, inside that third eyelid, there is a gland called the gland of the third eyelid, appropriately named, of course. And it is a lymphoid-type gland. It's a very reactive gland. And as we discussed, if you were listening last week, there are a number of conditions and a number of breeds that will make that gland, cause that gland to just become huge. And when it does, it can't fit in the pocket anymore. It's too big. So it actually prolapses out. It pops out. So you walk home and you have that Cocker Spaniel or the English Bulldog or the Lhasa or the Shih Tzu or the Sharpei, the Chow Chow, and you're going to see this huge pink round gland just popped right sitting in the corner of the eye. And that's why they call it a cherry eye because it kind of looks like a cherry. And the key is we don't want you to panic. It is not an emergency. And as I started mentioning last week that we had a, uh, well, I had a case, interestingly, one of my patients ended up going to an emergency clinic at night with a cherry eye. Now, mind you, it looks pretty scary to you, but any qualified doctor would have looked at that and said, Mrs. Smith, I understand it looks pretty bad, but it's not as bad as it looks. It's certainly not an emergency. What I'm going to do is I may want to do an eye stain just to make sure that the cornea is fine. That's justified. And we'll give you some ointment depending on the results of the stain, maybe a little cortisone ointment if the stain was negative because we don't like to use corticosteroids on an eye with an ulcer or an erosion or a scratch on the cornea. That would have been all needed to it. And then the advice would have been go see your regular doctor in the morning. Well, what happened was they, I think I alluded to this, that I think their training was not one of the U.S. vet schools, and I, I believe I was right. They took the dog into surgery which highly inappropriate, highly inappropriate for an emergency facility who is relying on their local veterinary hospitals to actually feed them nighttime and emergency cases to step on those toes. You don't bite the hand that feeds you. That is not an emergency. But not only, not only did they do the surgery, she did the wrong surgery. She actually removed that gland. Now, let's go back 25 years where even when I was in school, and when I graduated, 
that was the treatment of choice. The treatment of choice was, oh my God, we have this huge gland, let's cut it out. No problem. And there wasn't a problem. Very simple surgery. Ah, but how did we find out about the problem? Is that these same dogs, as they aged, were more prone, statistically more prone, to a condition called KCS, keratoconjunctivitis sica, also known as dry eye. And we then learn, and we probably knew, just didn't know the significance, the true importance, that the gland itself has a function of accessory tear production. So it's not just a gland in there to be a reactive lymphoid-type gland. It actually serves a purpose, a purpose that most young dogs don't need. But as they get older and their tear ducts start to dry up, that gland is significant. So when you remove it, you're leaving this dog with no choice other than to get some really dry eye problems when it's older. So for years, the treatment of choice has been not to remove the gland, but to tuck it. So what we do is we will create a little pouch on the inside of that eyelid, and we will make a little cut. This is all done on the inside, so you see nothing when you pick up nothing on the outside. And so we evert, that means we turn the gland basically, the third eyelid inside out, and we make a cut, almost like a, like a CBS eye. We make a little curved cut on top of it and a curved cut below it. We do a little undermining, which means we just open up a little space. We then stuff that gland into the space we've just created, and we take our two edges that we've just created by doing these two cuts, and we sew them over that gland, that large prolapsed gland. So the gland is still there, the gland is still functioning, yet it's out of sight. So we still have and are getting the advantage of the tear production that we need from that gland. So when these pets get older, they have no problem. Now, what's also interesting is that another technique is to, and this one I used to do when I first learned it, you know, it kind of, it was the accepted technique. I find it much more difficult and the results are no better than the pocket and just tucking the gland inside the pocket that you've created. But it's a way to take that gland, put a couple of sutures through it and go through the third eyelid. And we actually pick up a piece of periosteum. That means a little bone covered membrane that sort of coats all bone called the periosteum. And we grab it at the orbital rim, which is the bone right here under your eye. You know, you could look at a skeleton and you see that the socket where the eyes were, okay, that's called the orbital rim. We pick up a little piece of periosteum, and then when we tie it our suture, it takes that gland and just brings it right down to the level of the periosteum of the lower orbital rim. And again, that's another way to keep it out of sight, out of mind. I just find that is a little more challenging, more technically challenging, and at the end of the day, it's not worth it. The Creating the pocket is just as easy, I mean, it's easier, and you get the same result. So anyway... That concludes our discussion on Cherry Eye. We're going to talk about it a little bit more when we come back. Don't go away and, you know, hey, save up your questions. Once again, give me a call, 877-385-8882. Or when I come back, we come back from our break, I want to see two or three messages. And I know that there are listeners out there that have had problems with their dog's eyes. I want to hear about them. Let's see if we can't solve them. So don't go away. We'll be right back here on Pet Life Radio's Ask Vets Dr. Jeff. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. 
With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Hi, this is Jody Miller-Young from Bark and Swagger. Tune in for everything pet fashion and more. From fashion tips and runway trends, products and designs I love, to fabulous home decor for your furry friend, you'll find it all here. Be the first to discover the new. So what are you waiting for? Find me on Pet Life Radio. And remember, when fierce fashion calls, bark and swagger. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. We're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host, of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. Um, so <clears throat> another uh, discussion that we started, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe it was last week, that we want to finish up as well, and it was the treatment for cataracts. We talked about cataracts. That is a basically a thickening, a consolidation, a debris within the lens itself, making the lens white, a lens that dogs and cats can no longer see through, as opposed to nuclear or lenticular sclerosis, which is a normal age change. By and large, far, 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 far more dogs and cats will get sclerosis than they get cataracts. Cataracts we see secondary often to diabetes. We can see juvenile cataracts in some breeds. But most dogs, most cats, as they age, are going to get something called lenticular nuclear sclerosis, which is that kind of that haziness. You look at the pupil. It's normally black. It's more of a, it's like a, a hazy gray. A little whitish, maybe. And as dogs get older and you look at them in certain light, you see that reflection and you think, oh, my God, my dog's going blind. My dog is a cataract. Not the case. Not the case. It's an age change. I guess technically, because it is a consolidation within the lens itself, you could call it a pre-cataractous condition. But in order for that to turn into a condition, a cataract where the pet can no longer see, the pet would have, probably have to live to about 30 or 40. And as we all know, that's just not going to happen. So sclerosis, age change, don't worry about it. You might 
might notice even in advanced stages, your, the pet might have a little more difficulty at night, in low light, etc. So help them along, maybe with stairs, but generally they're fine. And as I mentioned, that could be why. Right, let's face it, dog's vision of all the senses, and we mentioned this before, is probably the weakest. So when you are walking into the house or, or walking down the hallway from your bedroom at night, and your dog is sleeping somewhere and sees you coming and gets up and starts barking at you, A, you probably disturb their sleep. B, they can't see you. They don't often see you as well in low light, especially if they have this condition called sclerosis. So as soon as they hear your voice, as soon as they get pick up your smell, oh my God, they stop right away. And then they're happy. The tail starts wagging. And uh, so anyway, just be aware. Now, let's talk surgery. Most general practitioners, and I do a lot of eye work, and I do not do cataract surgery. So once again, if cataract surgery is needed, most likely you will be referred to a board-certified veterinary ophthalmologist. What does that mean? Just like your human ophthalmologist is a veterinarian who did four years of veterinary training, and then they did an internship for a year, and then they applied to a residency, either in private practice at some private practice eye specialty clinics or at one of the university veterinary schools, and does a three or maybe even four-year residency in ophthalmology. We're talking highly trained. We're talking great equipment, and we're talking a doctor who only does eyes. They'll do more all the species typically, but it's only eyes. So don't go asking them to help solve your dog or cat skin problem or the vomiting problem or the limping. All they do are eyes. Now, to do the surgery, uh, again, it's amazing how things change, but uh, a surgery is done using a, a piece of equipment called a phaco emulsifier. They actually make a little hole in the eyeball, go into the lens, and it's almost like a rotorooter. It's like a suction. It's pulverizing all that the material inside the lens, and it's sucking it out, okay? A phaco lens emulsifier. So it makes it into a, a liquid and then sucks it out. They take the lens out, and they actually implant a lens, an artificial lens. So after emulsifying, making the lens into mush and removing it, sucking it out, they then sew in another lens. What's so interesting is that these lenses that they implant actually have the ability to correct the poor vision that dogs typically have. So interestingly, a dog from after, after cataract surgery probably will see even better than he did before he even developed cataracts, which is so cool. Now, some of the things that have changed. Years and years and years ago, the theory was that if you had a dog, a pet with cataracts, you would actually, one of the options was to wait. Let the cataract mature because as it, the cataract would mature, they would form sort of clumps of the material within the lens. And then in a mature cataract, the white part, the clumps would be whiter, meaning more compacted, but smaller. And sometimes a dog who couldn't see at all with the immature cataract might see with the mature cataract. So the thought was, let's leave them be. And then if the second eye starts developing the cataract, let's see how the first eye is doing and go from there. Well, that theory is now changed. Now the theory is, if you are considering surgery, do it right away. Now, if you have two eyes that have cataracts, meaning bilateral cataracts, and they're both immature, they're both fairly young, some might feel, and this is where you sit and talk and have the discussion, and finances obviously is coming to the picture. Do you do both eyes at once, which is obviously more expensive, hoping that at least one of them will take? 
And that you you have only one anesthesia from a safety standpoint, but it's going to cost you more because you're doing two eyes. Or do the one anesthesia and one eye. See how that pet does. And if that pet does fine, you can see well. Remember, they have an implanted lens. The lens is going to make them see even better than they did before the cataract developed in the first place. And then stop right there. But if that eye didn't do well after surgery for some reason, and there are always complications with cataract surgery, then do the second eye. So there, you're only spending the more money if needed. But remember, that's now two anesthesias instead of one. So you can argue back and forth. You can make a great case for either. Dogs, especially dogs that get the cataracts, really only need one eye. Their depth perception is not that great anyway. Secondly, even if you do both at the same time, there's no guarantee that both will take. So then you said, well, I just spent money on two and didn't need it. All, only one took. I may as well just done the one. Certainly, if you did the one, you wouldn't be sure which one is the one that would take and which one wouldn't take. So it's, there's no easy answer. It's just something you have to sit down and decide from a financial standpoint, from a practicality standpoint, from an age standpoint. And do you want to subject this dog or cat to two anesthesias when that's probably the riskiest part of the surgery in the first place? And that's what you kind of have to think about. And it's sort of that the mental strategy. But the truth is that it is a surgically correctable disease. Dogs with post-surgery, having the lens implanted, seem to do very well. And I've known both. I've known many of my clients have opted to just get it done all at once, one anesthesia, pay the extra money. And if you get two, that's great. If you get one, that's okay. Others have opted to just go for one. I would say most of them have worked out fine and only needed one surgery. Some of them had to go back in for the second eye because the first one didn't do well. But regardless, it is a treatable thing. But the key is, from the surgical standpoint now, it is easier for the surgeon and it's better for the pet to do the surgery when the cataract is younger. So therefore, I would advise that if you're considering it, don't wait the way we used to for that cataract to become super mature. If it develops, it's a true cataract. The Fundic exam shows that we cannot get through the lens or the ophthalmologist concurs that it is a cataract. Then I would say, just go ahead and do the surgery sooner than later. So I am off in about an hour for Las Vegas for the Western Veterinary Conference, and I will report back to you when I get back. And then from there, I may be going to New York. I'll be doing the better show and maybe even Fox and Friends next Sunday. So I will keep you abreast and uh, let you know what's going on. Anyway, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I want to thank our sponsors once again, ProSense and Kong. Um, I'm bummed that none of you had the guts to call in. I know you have pets out there. You wouldn't be listening to Pet Life Radio if you didn't have pets. So kind of get the courage to give a call in, even if you just want to talk about your pet. I love talking pets. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.